Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, welcome this morning. Welcome to our long weekend uh, service. We have a lot of family away traveling, so we're just going to pray right now for them, just for safe journeys as they go to their different places to visit family and friends. And hey, if you're here this morning for the first time, if you're just traveling through, we say welcome. We pray you're blessed. Um, and if you're here looking for a new church home, we say welcome to you as well. We pray that you have a great service and that you just experience God's love in a powerful way. Amen? Fantastic. Uh, it's good. Thank you, Alex, for sharing that. That was amazing. I think we should do part two next Sunday. Um, and Alex is a clinical psychologist, so you just got like $300 worth in like three minutes. So uh, make sure you thank her afterwards. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I, the reason why we do the art of, um, just, to, just to recap, is simply to equip you uh, and I to live lives that are full um, and are practical ways to help us just live the full potential that God's given us. And so you're going to see all different. Last week, Pastor Joel spoke on finance. Uh, today, Alex spoke on wholeness or well-being or even mental health, looking after yourself. Um, and we're going to look at getting different people in the church who have expertise in different areas just to come up and just share a bit of uh, what they can share and actually bless you. So let's actually really embrace that. Um, the heart behind it, I think, is amazing. So that's great, too. All right. I'm going to try and start with something a little bit light. Is that okay? All right. So a woman has a heart attack. Well, that doesn't sound very light, does it? All right, I'll keep talking. A woman has a heart attack during this time. Uh, during this, she dies and meets God. Will I die, she asks. No, God replied. You will live for another 40 years, two months, and eight days. At this instant, she snapped back alive. After the heart attack, she decided to make the most of her life. She gets a facelift, liposuction, and a tummy tuck. She even gets surgery uh, and changes the colour of her hair. And after her final surgery, she walks out and gets hit by a car and dies. When she goes up to, in he to heaven and meets God, she's really upset. What was that, she asked. What, God responded. You died. You said I would live another 40 years. Uh, uh, God thought for a while. I didn't recognise you. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. You don't need to clap, but I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Thanks. That's pretty smart, hey? That's good. <laughs> I think church, uh, I think it's good to have a bit of a chuckle sometimes in church. Uh, that's why I try and start with something a bit light. Last week, we, uh, we started a series called Family. And our theme this year as a church is uh, creating family, uh, finding family and creating family. So a church where people can find family, a family church home, but also a church that creates moments of family for others. Who's enjoying that theme this year? 
And we're seeing great fruit from that this year. We're seeing already people connecting better. We're seeing uh, celebration groups. They're just outreach type groups to create family moments in our community. And I encourage you to be a part of that. And last week I spoke about how there's different um, places for people inside the church family. Everyone has somewhere to belong. And we spoke about four different areas. We spoke about the soon-to-be's which are those who are yet to uh, have that salvation moment, but are on their journey. We spoke about the children, those who are young in their faith, um, and how children are essential in a healthy community. Not just children age-wise, but children when it comes to their walk with God. And we must be, uh, we talked about the statement of it takes a village to raise a child, and how we all have a part to play to help raise those young in their faith. We spoke about parents last week and how often we have to have hearts of parents with people. Parents are protective, they provide, they, they bring correction, they bring uh, celebration to people. And we spoke about grandparents and grandparents are people who are in the church who are great at celebrating the generations under them. They bring a wisdom, they bring a celebration. They don't necessarily change the nappies, but they are around to be a part of encouraging the overall culture. And I just encourage us all, where do you fit in that? And that surpasses the colour of our hair. That's actually the attitude of our heart. And for me, some people in this place um, are like children. Some people I feel like a bit of a parent to. And some people I feel like a grandparent to, even at my young age, depending on who it is. Today I want to speak about part two is becoming like children. Becoming like children. Let's, in our, in our Bibles, turn to uh, Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 1. Matthew 18, 1. Becoming like children. As most of you know, I'm the first time dad two years ago. I've got a two-year-old, uh, two years and two months, and I have learned a lot of lessons already about children, about being a parent, and about being a dad. I love, I love being a dad. I think it's it, the highlight of my life is being a dad. I, I can honestly say that. Um, it's, it's a joy, it's a privilege, and my little boy is just an amazing little man. Um, and so I've learned a lot of lessons from him, though. And every day I learn lessons from him. But in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, it says, it says, At this time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who here wants to be great in God's kingdom? Yeah. The key is right here. The key is to humble our hearts like a child. To actually, in our hearts, turn away from our complications as adults often and say, I'm going to humble myself as a child. Can I hear an amen? The challenge is very real, though. Extremely hard to sometimes have a childlike faith in the midst of getting older. Why? Because the older we all get, the more complicated we often get. 
because we have life experiences, we have disappointments, we have hurts, we have things that happen in our life. We also have joys and, and breakthroughs and moments like that, but often it can cause us to become old in our heart, old in our spirit, and God actually wants us to be young in our heart and be like children. <laughs> Luke chapter 18, verse 17 says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. You have to be like a child to enter God's kingdom. So to be great in the kingdom, we must become humble like children. Humility, what an interesting thought, what an interesting challenge to be humble, to be somebody who uh, doesn't have a sense of false humility. It's easy to put yourself down. It's easy to know all your faults. That's not humility. Humility is relying on God. You know, that humility and being humble is a lifting up of the greatness of God in our lives and a reliance on Him. Therefore, I can still be confident and be humble as long as my testimony is one of reliance on Him. That's good preaching right there. That's very good. So when it comes to yours and my life, how reliant are we right now on God? Now, it's super easy to, well, that's not really right. It's, it's easier to rely on God when you're in crisis. Yeah? <laughs> I need a miracle, God. We, I've had a, a prognosis and I, the doctors can't help me. And you find out what prayer means to you when only God can help you. Or maybe a child is going through difficulties or maybe at work or financially things are happening and you need God to move. And it's important that we rely on God in the storm that we have to understand that humility is actually for all seasons. It's actually for the mountaintop as well as the valley. We can't be like the children of Israel who would turn to God when things went wrong, that everything was good and they would turn to idols and then they would turn back to God because things would go wrong again. 40 years that happened. But we are like that. <laughs> when everything is awesome, everything is great, everything is amazing, it's like, well, where, how do I stay motivated with my walk with God? And it's like, well, it should be the same as when everything is a mess and I need God anyway. That is the challenge of our walk with God. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, it says this. It says, Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. I, I love this analogy. I, I love this example. I could just see these disciples around Jesus. Jesus at this time was a celebrity. You know, he would have had the paparazzi following him around. He would have been in all the magazines, front page of all the newspapers, the current affair would have paid him big money to go on their program. He was the it person. It was the prime of his ministry. And people were clamoring around him. Remember, it was so, so precarious sometimes that people were squashing him in the midst of the crowd. And the lady reached through and touched his garment. He noticed the power come out of his, come out of him. And he said, who touched me? And they said, everyone's trying to push in on you, Jesus. And so I could just see, like, his, his, his disciples have become like bodyguards now. 
They're walking through the crowd. They've got their earpieces in and their sun is on and they're saying, stay away, Jesus is coming through. And the little kids are just, you're even more annoying because you can get through underneath everybody else. Like, stay back and like, come on, like, get away. And Jesus notices it and says, don't hinder the kids. Stop. Stop hindering. Stop pushing them. Let them come to me. Let them. And then he embraces them. It's amazing. He tells his disciples off. He says, stop what you're doing. You're missing the point of the kingdom. The kingdom's for the kids. By the way, we need more kids workers. I put the call out a month ago. Please, volunteer once a month at least. We need your help. Can I hear an amen to that? Honestly, if you don't do it, we're going to have to shut down kids' programs. So please listen to the seriousness of this. Please go and help Ange and Wardo with the kids. If you don't do it, I won't be here anymore. I'll be down there doing that. Some of you are like, oh, that's good. <laughs> but I'll take Joel with me and all our pastoral staff, and we'll all be down there. We can just watch DVDs every Saturday or Sunday if you want. Passion of the Christ every week. <laughs> anyway. I'm passionate about kids' ministry. I, I've got a son, so it's the joy of my heart when he comes home with, you know, colouring in things and we learnt about this and I'm just like, ah. But we must become like children. We must stop being so complicated. Wasn't there a song about don't be so complicated? Avril Lavigne, back in the day. Greatest hits. <laughs> Yeah, so fresh, that's right. I know this because I get really complicated. Is anyone here, like you're a thinker? Like, I'm a thinker. I, I marinate on things. It's probably a better word, I'm a marinator. Forget the terminator, I'm the marinator. Anyone else like that? You find yourself thinking? It's not a bad thing to think as long as you trust in God through the thinking. But I have to stop being so complicated because when I overthink, I start to trust myself. So here are some thoughts that I've noticed when it comes to kids, when it comes to our faith, that we can apply today. The first one is this. I love that young kids have wide-eyed wonder. They're inquisitive. So this has happened probably four times this week because we've got clear skies. At around five o'clock, my son will start going, Daboon, Daboon. And we're like, what are you saying? And it's because he's, yeah, that's, that's how he sounds, he's got an accent. He's looking up and there's the moon. And he is so excited because he can see Daboon. And then the next day it happens again. The moon, the moon. What, what do you see, Bear? What's going on? Oh, it's the moon. Yeah. The next day again, the moon. Like you were driving yesterday home. And you can see it out the window. And we're thinking, what's he saying? And he's looking at, and he can see the moon. He's just so amazed at the moon. When was the last time you went, the moon? <laughs> 
Oh, adult talk. The moon. The moon. When was the last time you were amazed? It's a great, healthy question. That we stopped long enough to notice things again. Maybe it's recently. Maybe you had an amazing moment recently. But actually, we're so surrounded with amazingness all the time. It should be every day. I was amazed last week uh, about the feedback I got about bees. I spoke about how the older I get, the more interested I am in bees. And I know I'm getting older because I'm interested in bees. (laughs) And the feedback I got from the message wasn't some big revelation, it was the bees. Which is okay, because people remember the sermon then, if they remember the bees. And I got a lot of information one of, our, one of our dear dear ladies in the church told me that how there is a flower that makes bees drunk. And so they go to that flower, they get home from that flower to the hive, and there are bouncer bees that won't let them in until they sober up. True story. <laughs> Wayne is thinking about getting a beehive. A church beehive church. If you don't know who Wayne is, Wayne and Mary look after our property. They've got a house over here. I said, Wayne, if you get a beehive, I'm coming over. We can have a beehive party. When was the last time you were amazed at God? When was the last time you were so amazed at God, that I brought you to tears. It took your breath away. You must never forget how wonderful our God is. How cool is that? But we get so busy, we get so complicated, we get so, there's so much going on in life that we don't take time to stop and see that he is wonderful. Be still and know that I am God. But you've got to be still to know that he is God. And part of this happens, uh, Charlie and I haven't had a chance to travel. We love to travel. And, and I remember we went to the Grand Canyon once and it was every bit as amazing as we were told. And you start to visit places, and we have it in Australia. And if you had this experience where you think a photograph won't capture what I'm looking at. And it's like, you're trying to take in the amazing uh, wonderfulness of what's happening, but you think, this isn't going to capture it. Putting it on Facebook isn't going to, it's not going to show what I'm trying to do. And we have that here. And we actually, if you have eyes to see it, we have it with each other. The lives of people around you, there's amazing stories Yesterday, I was listening to a story about a man who was bitten by a white pointer. And he had 490 stitches because it got him around his chest. And he went on to help create the sharks in Jaws because he had such a real encounter with it. How weird is that? 
Spielberg's like, hey, come on, you've been attacked by a white pointer. I'm doing a movie on it. And I was just listening to his life and listening to his story and how in the midst of all this, he'd never lost the wonder of nature. In Psalm 86.10, it says, why don't we turn there? Psalm 86.10, it says, For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. For you are great and do wondrous deeds. God is a wonderful God. (laughs) We have to, though, be like children. And the great thing about especially younger children is that they are just so overwhelmed by the most simple things. Whenever we drive over the bridge at the moment, all the diggers that are there, all the excavators, and my son loves diggers. Like literally, he like, Daddy, diggers, one, two, one, two, three, diggers. And he counts them out. And then there was this big cranes there. And this little boy is so amazed at what he's seeing. Let's be like that. You know, wonder is defined as this, a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. How cool is that? Is it up on the screen? Yeah. A feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, and inexplicable. That is our God. But you've got to understand, if you get familiar with things, you lose the wonder. If you get familiar with one of our preachers or our preachers, you will never receive anything from them because you've lost the humility of a child. This morning we're led in worship and we, I think as a church we often take for granted how blessed we are. You know, Nat's here, his voice is struggling, he's been unwell this week and he's still leading us in worship. And the presence of God's here. People are having moments with God. And it's amazing. And we go, oh, yeah, worship was a bit loud today, wasn't it? <laughs> I, didn't really, I didn't really like that song. Oh, it's a bit long, isn't it? And it's like we forget and we miss out on what God could have done in that moment. Because <laughs> when you lose the humility of a child, you miss out on the wonderful moments of heaven. Our dreams are not independent from God, but instead exist because of God. When you have a heart of humility and you have a heart of expectation about how big our God is, it causes you to dream with him again with eyes that are wide. Inquisitiveness. Are you an inquisitive person or are you a know-it-all? Some people are know-it-alls. Have you noticed that? Some people, though, have an attitude of humility. The second thing is this. It's only four this morning. But a child has simple yet profound faith. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 11, verse 1. Let's look at the biblical definition of faith. When you got it, why don't you tell me you got it? 
Anyone else got it? Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of, we, of what we do not yet see. Capture this this morning. The confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about, about what we have not yet seen. Faith from a logical point of view, is crazy. Because you're believing something that you haven't yet seen. Church, here's the challenge. What are you currently believing by faith for in your life that you have not yet seen? And don't let the enemy destroy your seed of faith. Faith causes us to be people who dream with God. A child is great because they believe God for great things. <laughs> it's such a precious moment again this week. My, my son's at a stage where he kind of, he knows, he asks him a question and he knows how to, like, like what did you do today? And he'll say, da-da-da-da-da park, da-da-da-da-da lunch. And he'll make baby words up through it. And then he would say the answers. It's the cutest thing ever. And when we go to bed, when I put him to bed at night, he does, I told you last week, he's, I said, who, who are we going to pray for? Do you want, I said, do you want to pray? He says, yes. I say, who do you want to pray for? Lately, Nona has been the favourite. Every night it's Nona. Okay, we'll pray for Nona. But then, and we pray, and, we, and then I say, we pray for Nana, we pray to bless her and keep her healthy and safe. In Jesus' name, and we both say, Amen. And then this week, he went, pray for Mama. And Charlotte's got a bit of a sore back, and she said, pray for Mama's sore back. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yes. I said, okay, you pray. And he went, da, 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 Mama's sore back, better. Da, 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 in Jesus' name. No, then he said, Jesus, amen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Gee. I didn't sit down. That's, that's oh, my, my son. <laughs> and we prayed for her. And I was like, come on, let's pray for Mama. This was in the, and Charlie was there. And he came over and he put his hand on her. And he just stood there. And I'm like, he's two years old. <laughs> the other cool thing is this, and I wish I was more like this. Happened this morning before I came to church. He fell over like he often does. <laughs> and we've taught him, oh, when, if, you, if, you saw, if it's sore or it hurts, we'll kiss it better. So he fell over and he hurt his knee. And he said, oh, he's, he's crying. I said, I said, Daddy, kiss it better? Okay, okay, okay. Hold him up. Mwah, kiss him better. Oh, he thinks it's better. <laughs> he runs off. Who knew my kisses were so miraculous? <laughs> Gee. <laughs> I guess my wife knew that, but anyway. It's just simple. Like, it's just simple belief, simple faith, simple approach. I love how the scripture says we don't need to have mountain-sized faith. 
It's so, so cool. Like, you don't, you don't need to be the loudest. Faith is actually quite quiet. Like, when you really have faith, a seed of faith, it's not, like, it's not often like, I just know. Anyone had that before? Like, you're just like, I just know. I just know God's going to do that. He's, he spoke to me. Faith also causes us to kind of rise up with eyes of the impossibilities of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 11 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. All those things there talk about things to come. Simple yet profound faith. I love this quote, though, about having childlike faith. There is a vast difference between childlike faith and childish faith, that the two are often confused. Childlike faith calls the believer to remain forever in a state of awe and trust in the Heavenly Father, while a childish faith balks at the learnings, uh, at learning the things of God. It refuses the meat of the gospel by clinging to a diet of milk. The call of the New Testament is to maturity. <laughs> so childlike faith is a faith deeply rooted in trusting and learning from God. But childish faith refuses to be teachable. It's, it's a challenge because, oh, well, I'll tell you a quick story. Charlie and I uh, went out this week to a cafe in Kayama. And we often like, that's our kind of date moment. We often like to go out for breakfast. And the girl was with us, and we ordered an order that was like an order, but one of those annoying orders, because you're changing things, and you're adding things, and you're... And and this girl was just standing there and she listened to us. She would have been early 20s. And I said to her, and we finished ordering, and she didn't write anything down. And I said, can you remember that? Because I know I couldn't remember that. And she said, yeah, I can remember that. And then she just, word for word, told us exactly what we ordered. And I was like, whoa, that's impressive. And she said, yeah. She said, I'm studying um, at university it was some degree to do with neuroscience and the brain. And she said, every day I try and give myself a challenge to try and cause my neuroplasticity of my brain to get stronger or expand. And she said, oh, there's a podcast um, that I listen to as well. And she, I said, can I get that name of that? Because I like that stuff. And she gave me the name of it. And she said, yeah, when you're a child, this is just a waitress, by the way. I didn't ask for any of this information. She just gave it to us. <laughs> <laughs> she said, when you're a child, your neuroplasticity or your ability to learn is huge. Like it's actually a scientific thing. It's massive. You can absorb information. You can learn things. You can uh, learn patterns and behaviors. You can learn why behind things. But the older we get, the smaller that, that neuroplasticity band gets. And that's why the older we get, the harder it is to be teachable. Physically, it's harder for you and I to learn things the older we get. But we can still learn things, but it takes more effort than when you were 10. 
or five, or right now my son is just a sponge of information, and he is sharp. The other day we said to him, just passing thing, we said, um, if, you, you know, if you do this, we'll go to the park later. And we said it once, the word park, that's the magic word. And four hours later, he brought it up. Park? Park? Oh, he remembered. <laughs> so we have this challenge to do with our physical minds and brains. And the older we get, you and I, the more we have to work at this to be able to absorb information. Because the neuroplasticity, which is the development of our brains, or the rewiring of our brains, gets harder and harder to do. So to have childlike faith, which is absorbing information or revelation or, or learning things, especially from others or from God, becomes, more, it becomes harder the older we get. And I'm speaking to anyone 30 and beyond right now. So we have to be intentional about asking the Holy Spirit, let's come back to Scripture, to what? Renew our minds. <laughs> Holy Spirit, renew our mind daily so that we can absorb what you have for us. And that's why the older we get, the more stubborn we get. <laughs> have you noticed that about yourself? I have about myself. Yeah, Nat's like, no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. So I encourage you today not to have childish faith that's unteachable, but to have childlike faith which is simple yet profound, which is founded in humility. We have to understand that faith is not the result of striving, it's the, it's the result of surrender. Ooh, that's very good, isn't it? I tell you, I remember back in the day, I would do, do prayer meetings, pacing up and down, crying out to God for things that we already had. And I would be praying and striving and, come on, and I'd, come on, let's get louder. Thinking somehow that loudness affected God like he was deaf. <laughs> but I think God liked the heart behind it. It was just a little bit misled. Now I understand that it's actually about surrendering to him and what he wants and praying according to his will. So it might actually be a quiet prayer of saying, well, what is it you want us to pray for? And that is the power of surrender. Is this okay this morning? I've got to speed up because we've got to finish. The third one is childlike thankfulness, joyfulness. Thankfulness is joy expressed upwards. Do you know that? It says in Psalm 8, verse 2, Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength. How cool is that? Childlike faith in the room, let me talk to you. Out of your mouth God establishes strength to cause the enemy to be still. But you have to have childlike faith. And you have to speak it out of your mouth. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, it says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's the will of God for our lives? Be joyful always. 
pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Turn to your neighbor, say, joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Pastor, what's the will of God for my life? One Thessalonians five sixteen. Joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. It's the closest thing to a mathematical formula you'll get in the Bible. Joyful plus prayer plus giving thanks and everything equals God's will for you. MC squared. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word grateful as showing an appreciation of kindness. This is where the difference lies between gratitude and thankfulness. Being thankful is a feeling, but being grateful is an action. I'll give you an insight into my conviction on this. Whenever someone shares from the pulpit, whether it's service leading, today we have the art of... We had Nat and the team worship leading. There's someone preaching. I will always, if I find them or see them after a service, say thank you to them. If I visit a church and I have a moment with the pastor afterwards, I will thank them. I have decided that I will be someone who is thankful. If I go to the service station, I will say thank you. If I go to uh, the doctors, I will say thank you. If someone makes me a meal, I will say thank you. Whatever it is, I will do these things. Why? Because I have a position of thankfulness, a posture of thankfulness. I encourage you, don't go home on a Sunday unless you find that or one of the band and say thank you for playing today. If you see a kid's worker in one of their shirts, just if you're talking this, this way, thank you. I don't have any kids in the program, but thank you. And hospitality in the team, thank you for my coffee. If someone's up here, I was talking to Alex before the service, she looks like a natural, but she, this is a big deal. Yeah? She speaks amazingly, but she just gave a lot. So before you go home, come and say thank you. And if you can't find her, message her on Facebook. Why? 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 90% of people don't say thank you. This is a whole subject. Biblically, one came back to thank Jesus out of the 10 lepers. 10. One came back, but the power of it was this. The one who came back had a physical healing, but through his thankful moment, it says that Jesus said to him, be gone, basically, your sins are forgiven. So his physical miracle became an eternal miracle because he said, thank you. What? Do you get this with me? So when you say thank you, it's not just... It's like you go from a moment here on earth to an echo in heaven. But most of us don't say thank you very well. <laughs> now, I'm not saying rush the stage at the end of the service and say thank you to me. What I am saying, though, is if anyone ever preaches the heart out to you, say thank you. 
even if it's praying thank you, it's a start. But gratitude, showing it, is an action. Why? Because we want to go from being self-entitled, spoiled children to being thankful-filled, humble sons and daughters of God. You can tell I'm passionate about it, aren't you? Right, the reason is this, church. This is, this is the ultimate reason. When I'm thankful for you, I worship him. And I've understood something by watching church for 37 years. My whole life I've been in church. My whole life I've been a pastor's kid. And I've watched churches thrive and strive <laughs> and strive. The difference is this. The churches who have hearts of thankfulness for the small things are healthy. The churches that are familiar and ungrateful are never healthy and they are critical. We have to be people who are thankful. Thankfulness and gratitude are the soil for revival to grow. Do you know that? It's the soil. When you, if we, any gardeners in the house, like home gardeners, yeah, come on, be proud, don't be ashamed. Every time you turn the soil, you do it, part of it is through thankfulness. When we're thankful in our hearts, we're like children. Because right now, we're teaching our son, who's two, to say thank you. And he's now learned the power of it because he says please and thank you as though it's the magic words. Can you do this, please? Oh, I can't say no to that. <laughs> so can we take on this conviction and this posture of thankfulness? Why? It is the foundation and the soil of healthy fruit. And it's, let me tell you, it's hard to be critical of something you're thankful for. Do you know that? Super hard. Like, if you, are, if you have attitude towards someone, start to thank God for them. You'll be amazed what happens. <laughs> it just, everything changes. It gets realigned. Be thankful. We stop being thankful when we start being familiar. And it's hard to complain about something you're thankful for. Number four, a sweet spirit. Oh, I'm going over time. I'm going to be really quick. I love how my son has a sweet spirit. He has an innocence about him to the point where we are, Charlotte says to me regularly, it's like he's in our bubble right now. We're nervous about the outer world out there and what's going to happen to our little sweet little boy. You heard me last week talk about, okay, just for the record, church, it wasn't a swear jar. <laughs> if you were here last week. I've heard a couple of comments about how the pastor has a swear jar. What I said was, as parents, we're meant to set an example, and we have a jar or we have an account that if me or Charlie say something that our son shouldn't hear, not swear words, just things that aren't appropriate around a two-year-old, can I say last month, yes, I had to pay $10 a hit. I did pay $70 to my wife. But it's the new month, she owes me 20 bucks. <laughs> and I'm on zero. 
Let's go. That's right. Treat yourself. That's right. The way we do things like, yesterday at Charlotte said something like, that's stupid or something, like those types of things. And I'm like, do you want your son saying that? No. Show me the money. <laughs> that's right. And there's also, if anyone wants to do this, any young parents, we have a five-second rule. So if she doesn't call me out in five seconds, I get away with it. Yeah? <laughs> and vice versa. So it's helped a little bit in the journey. <laughs> All right. So sweetness, a sweet spirit. You meet people that have bitter spirits. The reason is, well, let's just read the scripture. Proverbs 27.9, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel, a sweetness in our spirit. Colossians 3.13, this is the key to having a sweet spirit as remaining childlike. Here it is. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have had any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. If you want to have a sweet spirit, here's the key, forgive well. Imagine church where people forgave each other well. How cool is this quote? This is a, this is a, you write this down, it's so good. It's not mine, but I'll share it with you. We'll get it up on the screen, the next quote, if we could. Thanks, Pacey. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. How cool is that? To forgive someone is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was actually you. Because when you're unforgiving, you become a prisoner to that hurt. Be great. What if they don't deserve forgiveness? That's the essence of forgiveness. It's grace. It's the grace of God because you don't deserve forgiveness that God forgave you. So let's pass it on. Let's have a sweet spirit. Lastly, let's have a trusting spirit, a trusting heart. Trustifying is this. It's confidence, a reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or other sound principle of another person. Trust means a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, and strength of someone or something. In the Bible, trust literally means a bold, confident, sure security. Lots of words there, but please hear the heart of it. Bold, confident, sure security. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all you do and he will make your path straight. Trust in God. We're going to, as, as we get older, it might, yesterday, okay, we went on a family outing this week. Forget Disneyland, forget Dreamworld, forget the animal park. We went to the Nara car wash. I know. Yeah, 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 it's pretty. And Charlie said to me, do you think that it's gonna scare Bear? Because he was in the back. And I said, if we don't look terrified, he will be okay. And so when those big rollers start hitting the car and it sounds like an earthquake's happening, he did look a bit concerned, but then he looked at us. And that's what it's like with God. When we trust him, it's all going to be okay. Trust starts where understanding stops. 
oh, it's so annoying though, isn't it? Because we want to be able to understand everything. Trust starts where understanding stops though. It's when you don't have the answer. It's when it's out of your control. It's when you can't work it out. It's when, where is God right now? That's when we have to rely completely on him. Remember, you have authority over every storm you sleep in. Someone needs to hear that here. You know you're trusting when you can rest, knowing that God is in control because he is trustworthy. Our Father is trustworthy. Children trust because they have no reason not to trust. But hurt comes into our life and disappointment and we get older and we start to lose the ability to trust well. Childlike faith is trusting well. And lastly, very last thing, here are the warning signs of you getting old. Do you want to hear it? And this is 15-year-olds through to 80-year-olds here. Number one, we become cynical. In other words, we distrust people's motives. Well, what was that? <laughs> Number two, we become familiar. And by the way, just, just I mean, this is a checklist. Just in yourself, be like, is that me? Are you distrustful? Are you questioning motive? Are you familiar, ungrateful? Are you unteachable? Can you be taught by someone younger than you? My son is my greatest teacher right now. And I don't say to him, you are too young. You have not lived life's experiences, therefore you cannot teach me. I learn because I try and have a humble heart. We lose our adventure. How's your adventure going? Have you lost it because of life? The mortgage, the interest rates, inflation, nine dollar lettuces <laughs> we lose our adventure we stop growing I, I planted this amazing two amazing watermelon seedlings and they were flourishing the bad thing is I planted them just before winter <laughs> so now they are dying They have stopped growing and they are withering. Have you stopped growing? Are you eager to grow? Or do you know it all? <laughs> we become unfruitful. How's your fruit looking these days? By them you will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. That's what Jesus said. The fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness and self-control. How is your fruit going? We stop dreaming. Have you lost your dream? Have you lost that thing God placed in your heart? Have you ever had a dream? Have you been told that dreams are stupid? It's not kingdom. Lastly, we lose our joy. How's your joy going? Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Joy is a person. Don't lose the joy of the Lord. It's your strength. 
Why don't we close our eyes as we finish? Thank you, Lord. Let's just take a moment just to reflect. Just to reflect. Just to take a moment with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You know, just as I read those things, and I'm going to read them again to you because just think about your own life. Just as you sit there, are you cynical? Are you familiar? Are you unteachable? How's your adventure going? Are you growing? Are you unfruitful? Have you stopped dreaming? Have you lost your joy? If any of those you like, honestly, yes. <laughs> Maybe for you, for you there might be a few on that list. Just take a moment with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to ask for you to put your hand up or anything. Just take an honest moment to say, Holy Spirit, I repent of those types of things and I ask you to help me to have a childlike faith in the family of God, childlike faith. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. those up on the screen, Pacey, those eight, eight things. If you have to look at them again, feel free. Let's not get too old in our spirit. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's a moment longer. Thank you, Lord. Please help us, Father. Help us to have childlike faith. Please help us. Not by might or power, but by your Spirit. Help us, Lord, to be children, to be great in the kingdom. We must be childlike. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.